Well, welcome to the Debt Matters Podcast, where we help Canadians find solutions to their debt with licensed insolvency trustees from across Canada. I'm Wayne Kay. Today's show, we're going to talk about mortgages and debt. We're going to learn more about the different types of mortgages. We're going to talk about mortgage insurance, the actual cost of home ownership, options for third, seconds, mortgages. Maybe if you need to refinance, we're going to talk about that. And paper equity. You're going to learn all about this today with my guest, Matthew Fader from Allen Marshall and Associates, licensed insolvency trustee with offices in Alberta, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward Island. Matthew, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Wayne. Good to be back. I think this is a perfect topic right now with house prices soaring. Uh, I think this might be one of the most important uh, things to discuss right now when it comes to mortgages, because if you do this wrong, it could end up costing a lot of money. Definitely. Um, uh, the market is, is, is certainly hot, which of course couldn't be predicted. Um, you know, we would think with all the pandemic and whatnot, that it would go the opposite way, but, um, shows what we know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a real, uh, real issue with supply and demand, uh, lots of people looking, not as much out there. Um, and that's really driving the prices through the roof. And then you have first time home buyers trying to get into the market and just for, you know, a house that needs three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars and you got to put another hundred grand in it. It's unbelievable what we're seeing with our housing market. So I'm looking forward to learning from you regarding mortgages. I'll try and enlighten you as best I can. Well, if we can help our people just understanding some of the different terms and what they all mean, that would be the ultimate goal of this podcast. So let's talk about some of the different terms. Uh, we've got home equity line of credits and we've got, you know, a conventional mortgage. Why don't we start there? Um, well, I, I mean, a conventional mortgage is, of course, it's an installment type of loan, which, of course, uh, means you 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 pay both principal and interest. Um, you know, you might get a twenty-five year mortgage, but um, they'll they'll amortize the rate over five years. Meaning, okay, you're gonna pay at this rate for five years, and at, at the end of that five years, your mortgage comes due, uh, and then you just reamortize for another five at the current rate. But the 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 thing is, is that in paying your mortgage, you're paying the debt down. And in theory, your property is then uh, appreciating in value. So that is really helping to build the equity up. Um, and that's what you want. You want you want to say a, a house is an investment. Um, at least that's what we've been taught. So a conventional mortgage through a primary lender where you're paying a favorable interest rate, whatever the, the percentage amount is, it works out to be affordable. A lot of people tell me, well, you know, I could never rent for what I pay for my mortgage. And I say, well, you know, that's true. Uh, as long as we consider um, there is a cost of living associated with home ownership that does not exist when it comes to renting, um, you know, property taxes and make general maintenance and things of that nature. Right. But all in all, um, you know, your your installment-based conventional mortgage has that focus of saying you will own this home mortgage-free um, within a certain defined uh, time period. A home equity loan or a HELOC or uh, 
you know, whatever it is that you want to call it, uh, that's a revolving line of credit attached against the equity in your house. Um, so you'll often see people, or I will, where they have a conventional mortgage where they're making regular mortgage payments, but then they have this line of credit that's attached to their house. Now, the line of credit isn't an unterrible thing. Um, the bigger issue that we run into with a line of credit is depending on how it's structured, We'll we'll say Wayne, you have a you have a three hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Your your property is worth three hundred grand. You have a hundred and fifty thousand dollar mortgage, and you go out and you get this um, home equity loan for like a hundred grand. So it's like a hundred thousand dollar line of credit. Um, but because the two are linked together, um, as you would make your mortgage payment, thereby dropping the principal. Um, and supposedly building equity in your house, what it does is it opens up more room on your line of credit. So, you know, you pay 10 grand down on your $150,000 mortgage, your mortgage may be 140, but the room on your line of credit just bumped up to 110. So it sort of puts people on the cycle to say that they continue to borrow against that line of credit. And since your only requirement is interest only, um, yeah, it's at 6%. So it's really cheap to just make the interest payments. But of course, nothing happens. You know, you're, you're not building that equity at that point because all you're doing is you're maintaining this, this, this interest only payments and the line of credit remains basically untouched. You do that for 20 years, you sell your house. Yes, the line of credit gets paid out because it is secured against the house, but it's that full amount that you borrowed against. And, you know, we'll, we'll see that sort of flip where people are paying that mortgage down. Uh, They think they're building that equity, but because that line of credit continues to increase the room and uh, they haven't adjusted their spending habits, they rely on that line of credit. And the spending just continues. Right. Um, so, so it can be a dangerous trap, right? I mean, like it's great if you say I got to fix the roof, and I have access to that line of credit, and I'm going to use it to fix the roof, build the value in my house, you know, uh, really, really uh, invest in it. Um, then you're building value in your house, which is great. Um, and if you're not out of hand with the line of credit, then you say, well, I can control the payment, or I'm making um, a payment that would be above an interest only payment. I guess that's really the key to it is the bank encourages you to make that minimum interest only payment, but really you should have it factored into your budget to say, well, I want to pay this debt off too. Is this a common thing? Oh, absolutely. 100%. They're um, what we call retail collateral mortgages. We see them constantly. Yeah. So, so that means I, so, can, I can buy a car and I can buy a snowmobile and I can buy an ATV and a motorcycle under my home equity line of credit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and you're buying them outright. So there's no liens on them. Right. So then you would have access and control of, of those assets. So, you know, go on vacation, you know, pay off debt, do whatever it is. And this is one of the areas that I think my industry is going to see a fairly substantial boom in the next three, three or so years. With the increase in the market, of course, people that are coming up for renewal refinancing during the pandemic, um, they've really seen their property values up. Yeah. Um, so, so my house was worth three hundred last year. This year, it's worth three seventy-five. The next year, it's worth four twenty. Like it's not supposed to work that way. Um, but then, when the mortgage comes up for renewal, and they say, "Well, I owe." Two, you know, two fifty on it, and they go into the bank, and the bank's like, "Well, your house is worth four twenty, so um, why don't we rework your mortgage or put you into this um, a HELOC 
know, the home equity loan, um, and then you can pay out your debt, hmm. which is great. Don't get me wrong. That is fantastic. It's a great thing to do to say, I've got a bunch of debt, high interest, wrapping it up into a mortgage, refinancing, pulling that money out to pay um, high interest debt. Yeah. It's a fantastic plan. Um, as long as the market stays stable. Okay. And and that's going to be the real issue here is that um, if you say, well, I'm just barely making this mortgage payment or, you know, it's comfortable, but I don't have a lot left at 3%, 4%. And then further to that, if you say, well, I just satisfied all my debt, but you're not adjusting your spending habits, people will tend to you know, say, Hey, I have no debt. So let's go on vacation or let's eat out more often or things like this. And their, 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 their debt level starts to increase. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so they're starting to dig themselves back in if they don't address the core spending habits that can often get people into trouble. So it's still debt. Um, people need to realize that it is still debt oh, and you want to get rid of that. It, it's cheaper debt, yeah. or at least it is, yeah. at least it is now, because if you come up for, um, a remortgage in five years and the interest rates doubled in 2% and you've got a $400,000 mortgage. Well, 2% on 400 K is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. You know, you feel that hit and, uh, you know, that's kind of where when we look and we say, well, why is the industry slow right now? Because my industry is fairly slow. Um, it's picking up, but it has been fairly slow through the pandemic. We've had lots of stimulus. We've had the government contributing uh, all these plans to help keep people afloat, which have certainly contributed um, to keeping insolvencies down, which, you know, I'm not supposed to say is great because it's my industry, but it's great. You know, I don't want people. Uh, I mean, yes, if you're kind of come in, I want you to come see me, of course. But right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, a, as an industry, we don't want to see uh, the high levels of inflation, the irresponsible spending, things like that. But if we don't address those core problems, when those interest rates rise and if people can't keep pace with their mortgage, we flip into a crash. And that's a scary thing to say, mm -hmm. what does that do to the value of your house if all of a sudden yeah. all kinds of people say they can't afford to keep their places anymore and they flood the market. Yeah. Now you've gone the opposite where there's too much supply, not enough demand. We'll have to wait and see what what happens. It's going to be interesting because we've never seen houses go up this fast in all these different areas. So it's oh, going it's, to be quite something. Now, yeah, it's bonkers. Like like Wayne, <laughs> do you remember the days when you would say, "Okay, I'm going to sell a house for two hundred, and your realtor is like, "Okay, you have to be willing to accept one hundred and sixty, yes, because that's how things work." And now people go in and they say, "Okay, if you're not bidding two or three hundred k over what they're asking, you're probably not going to get it." Yeah. And that's insane. I just I couldn't even do it. I, there's no possible way my, that I could physically overpay for stuff. I, I just couldn't do it. Thank goodness I'm not in that situation. But I think it's important for people to know what their options are when it comes to these mortgages and these debts. Um, mm -hmm. Let's continue on. Let's talk about uh, mortgage insurance. Uh, I, obviously, I think if you get a mortgage, you have to have insurance, do you not? Um, it's not required. Um, I mean, insurance is one of those funny things that you say, well, the person that I'm insuring has to be insurable. So when I'm dealing with older people I'm with insurance, they say, well, I couldn't get mortgage insurance because of my age, um, things of that nature. Um, but it's always a good idea. One of the things that um, I want to make sure that, that, that you and other people are aware of um, is that like when I bought my, uh, when I bought my condo, 
um, of course, the bank sold me on mortgage insurance. And I was like, oh, this is great. You know, if I get hit by a bus, then, um, you know, the, the bank will pay out my mortgage. And, and uh, you know, then my spouse is left without having to worry about the burden of a mortgage payment. I mean, mm-hmm. for a product, it is fantastic. Um, what a, a very, very good friend of mine did when she went out and she got her mortgage was the bank made the offer to her and she said, hmm. I don't know. So she didn't, you know, she wasn't saying, no, I don't know about mortgage insurance, but she said, "Mm, I don't know if I want to get it through you. Um, And I don't think it was a slight against the bank, but I think she was just clever enough to say, I think I want to see if I can shop around and see if I can find something different. So for me, like, like you said, I got my mortgage through my bank. My bank said, Hey, do you want mortgage insurance? It's this. I was like, Oh yeah, great. You know, one-stop shopping and everything like that. Um, but this good friend of mine, she told me, she said, well, you know, between what the bank was uh, going to sell me and what I was able to get through this other provider, I got better coverage for, for, for me. And, and it was, you know, it was cheaper. Now you say, oh, well, it's, you know, $10 cheaper or something like that, but you're looking at a 25 year mortgage. So if it's like $10 cheaper a month, that's really, really adds up. <laughs> you don't think about that 10 bucks, but you're absolutely right. So that's a that's a good one. I didn't realize you could actually go shop around, or maybe I was just too lazy to go shop around and just thought, well, well whatever, but, it's six bucks or whatever it was, and uh, I've got my insurance. One hundred percent. I mean, that's the hook, right? Yeah. Is that oh, I'm signing the mortgage papers. I'm here at the bank. I've already done all this running around. I had to go to the lawyer. I had to do all this other garbage work. So sure, <laughs> I'll sign this piece of paper for the mortgage and. You know, you you are at the whim of your lender. Sure. You know, is that the best product for you? You know, you just made thirty eight other decisions. Is this another one that you're really uh, prepared for? So, you know, I really do salute her for having that uh, peace of mind to sort of set back and say, "Wait a minute," and do my research, and I'm going to see what's better for me and better for my for my family. So, you know, um, um, bravo to her. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was a lesson learned for me because I was like you, Wayne. I was like, geez, I never really thought about that. You know, my car insurance is through my bank. Why? Because I'm like, well, you guys sell insurance. So sure, give me a good rate. I'm pretty sure I could shop out a better rate, but I'm too lazy yeah, to do exactly. it. We all are. Okay, now another key point is uh, the cost. You know, we're talking about the $10 extra and all this, but when it comes to actually owning a house, it can get very expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, th- this is, uh, again, one of the key fe- uh, features that comes with home ownership is home ownership comes with the price of maintenance. You're viewing this asset as your investment, you know, to potentially say, it's like deferred rent. Like what I'm paying, I'm going to get back when I eventually sell it. You don't get that with when you're renting, you get it when you own. But one of the areas that I see is that people, um, all of their money is going into paying the mortgage and paying other debt, that the upkeep suffers. The windows start to need to be replaced. The roof needs to be replaced. The siding's coming off. And the the direct effect on uh, that neglect is felt from the valuation of your home. Right. You know, if your deck's falling off, guess what? You're going to lose a lot of curbside appeal, a lot of marketability from trying to sell your house. So, and it, it's sort of what I alluded to earlier of it's not a simple um, mortgage versus rent. You know, when I, 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 I rent now, if my windows are leaking, I call my landlord and say, you fix it. I don't have to. 
I've heard people say sometimes it's better for somebody to rent and put money aside and invest that for the 25, 30, 40 years. And then others say, yeah, no, uh, owning a house is best for me. So that's a really good thing that they, they need to keep in mind. It's all these additional costs that come up. Now, mm-hmm. let's say you get into that situation where, oh, no, okay, I've got to get the windows done. I've got to get the roof done and I've got to get this done. And for some reason, all the contractors I've ever talked to, they don't know any other numbers than five grand or 10 grand. That Those are the only <laughs> two numbers they know and it doesn't matter what it is they're doing. So at what point can you do like a, a second mortgage or a third mortgage? How does well, that work? Well, well, second and third mortgages are, are, are generally um, not the greatest of ideas. Because uh, you're putting another lender behind a principal mortgage holder, right? Okay. So they typically are high interest and uh, usually come from higher risk lenders. So when you get a second um, mortgage, I'm sorry, I've got to interrupt you for a second. I, mm-hmm. I always thought the second mortgage came through the same bank, but no, that's not oh, the case. Goodness oh. gracious me, no. No. <laughs> okay. um, typically, it won't come from the same bank. This, if, if you were able to do something through the same bank, um, you know, you weren't going to look at a huge payout or, you know, because there's there's a penalty if you had to refinance the loss of interest, the IRD calculation or three months interest. So typically, no, a second mortgage comes from a secondary lender. I've seen some real, uh, Wayne, I've seen stuff that would make you cry for what people would get into in second mortgages, you know, second mortgages, 30, 40 grand at 28% interest, (gasps) um, you know, where the mortgage payment, what they set them up to is just the interest plus maybe a dollar towards the principal. So, you know, they're, they're, they're not, I, I mean, everything serves a purpose. Everything exists for a reason. If used properly, I'm sure it's a great mechanism to say I've got to get access to cash that the bank won't help me out on because for whatever reason, my um, credit isn't as good to be able to get something through my bank like a HELOC or something like that. Um, so it, it's it's really a warning sign to say if I need access to this cash um, where I would say, well, be careful what you're signing into. Because once that's in place against your home, it's a mortgage. If you say, I'm really struggling with paying the second mortgage, well, if you don't pay it, you're gonna, they're going to go into foreclosure. Mm. Um, so it's really, really something to be cautious about, to have thought about, perhaps seek legal opinion before you get it, uh, even talk to a trustee like myself, um, uh, anybody to say, is this a good idea? Because is this the solution? $500 a month sounds really easy it gets really really hard sometimes I, so yeah. i just just to hear those numbers you said i oh my gosh when it's even more than your credit cards that's just crazy mm-hmm. and i think credit card debt is ridiculous so that's just a, unbelievable i'm glad you brought that up can you talk about paper equity in like a minute and a half um well yeah i can i mean paper equity is one of those wonderful things that has um lots of paper value but no real value (laughs) you know um like you know people say well i have equity in my house and i'm like okay that's wonderful but if a bank's only going to finance you up to 80 percent of the inherent value um that 20 percent of equity quote unquote that you have in your house really is useless to you because you can't access it Mm. you know so so, you know, I, I mean, we, we really don't have time to go into some of the the, the, the more minutiae as to um, where it can be 
I don't want to say damaging, but ultimately I've dealt with situations where paper equity, either natural or inflated by the bank, because I've seen that, um, a bank won't lend up to, will only lend up to 80%. So I've seen valuations magically go up. Right. Yeah. So that, so that they value the property higher so that this person will qualify for a mortgage. And what that does is that creates the impression of that paper equity. Um, basically what they're doing is they're saying, we're going to inflate the value of your home so that I can give you a mortgage that based on the math, huh. you really can't afford. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's, a, again, it's a terrifying thing. I wish we, I didn't talk so much before, so we could spend a little bit more time on it, but. <laughs> No, this is fantastic. I think it's really good to give us some eye-opening information when it comes to this, especially with what you see regularly uh, with people that do get in trouble with these uh, situations. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today and to share this information regarding mortgages and debt. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm always happy to be here. Well, my guest today, Matthew Fader from Alan Marshall and Associates. You can learn more or set up a free consultation with Alan Marshall and Associates through their website at wecanhelp.ca, wecanhelp.ca. And that's it for today's Debt Matters podcast. Now make sure you subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast from. And of course, for more information, you can always check out debtmatters.ca. Thanks for listening. <music>